Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to TS Radio and Marty Oakley's show. Tonight, we have Lawrence Lucas, and we are doing the USDA Black Farmers Show. Lawrence, how are you tonight? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for coming on, everyone. Marty is still feeling a little bit under the weather, so I am filling in for her. I am very honored to do so. But, Lawrence, I'm going to go ahead and let you take over and introduce all the guests, and it was so lovely meeting you. Good. Glad to have you. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, tonight we have um, uh, we're beginning uh, the year with a fine show. I want to thank uh, Marty Oakley for hosting these shows over the last four or five years. Uh, I want to thank uh, Marcel Reed, who is also with us tonight, is uh, maybe uh, host or co-hosting this along uh, together. And we're going to take a, a deep dive into what has been going on again at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And the one thing that we know that uh, we have a situation where black farmers have been discriminated their land being taken, their way of life being taken. And we have been talking about this issue for many years now. The one thing that we have gone long enough to understand that things are not just going to happen for black farmers and others at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, because we do also represent – being president of the Coalition of Minority Employees, we also represent employees in other types of discrimination and abuses as well. But with the case of the black farmers, we have been talking about this issue for years now. And as a result of a recent demonstration in front of the White House by the black farmers, and I too was there and participated and work with the farmers to do what we could to help make that a very successful event. U.S. Department of Agriculture for decades have been discriminating against black farmers. In fact, it has a reputation for being called the last plantation because of its historical and decade-long abuse discrimination and racism against black farmers at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We know that's the case. The only thing is we expected doing a new administration under the Biden administration, we expected Tom Vilsap, after he was announced that he was going to be the Secretary of Agriculture, uh, we were hoping for a new day. But we did understand one thing. Prior to him coming to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 6,000 state employees filed a class action against the state of Iowa. And Tom Vilsap, before leaving and becoming Secretary of Agriculture, had an opportunity as governor to resolve this complaint and settle those complaints. What we have been 
and we've been shocked by the fact that, number one, a person with such a history of discrimination against black employees in the state uh, offices throughout Iowa, because the case was filed against uh, Tom Vilsap, who was governor, and, and past governors. You would think that uh, because he had served, um, he had served there so long, he would understand and care about how employees are treated. However, we have a situation where this secretary has come to the Department of Agriculture and has brought some of the behavior and practices that we think is continuing at USDA. Black farmers have done many things to bring about change. And I'm hoping that, um, stopping for a moment, I want to make sure that we have uh, Wayman Henson on the line as well. Uh, Wayman, yes. are you with us tonight? Yes, I'm here with you, okay. Lawrence. Okay, good. Uh, tonight we have um, some of the farmers and advocates who supported that demonstration on the line tonight. And one, we have Dexter Davis from Louisiana, black farmer who has been involved in this struggle for decades now. We also have Michael Stovall, another black farmer who's been in this struggle for decades. And we have Wayman Henson, researcher, documentary film, uh, psychologist, well-known amongst many in the academic world. We're going to talk about why this demonstration was held in Washington, D.C., we're going to talk about um, the results that we are expecting. We're going to talk about many of the, some of the congressional representatives that we came in contact with, Congressman Bobby Scott, the idea and, and having also uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren to come and speak to the group there in Senator Booker's office, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, who spoke to the farmers. But it didn't just happen. Farmers have been talking about this issue for many years, and legislation has been passed. And we'll talk about some of that legislation that brought about what we call the Justice for Black Farm Act, which started doing and the background and history and the work that presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren uh, took on her shoulders. And what is so fascinating about that, that she decided to help and come to and be concerned about black farmers. And she has virtually few farmers in her state. And we're going to also talk about the leadership or the lack of leadership 
by the black media about the the poor efforts made by the, our mainstream media for not covering this event. So we're going to talk about a lot of things tonight, but I want to uh, – we're going to now spend a little time and have each one of our uh, guests on tonight, and I want to thank all of you all for coming. And I also want to thank uh, Marcel Reed, who has made this effort of covering this issue uh, around the U.S. Department of Agriculture a complete success. And, Mar Marcel, I want to thank you uh, for being on tonight and with us. And if you have any questions at any time, feel free to uh, uh, pop in and, and, and join us at, at any time you wish, okay? Absolutely, Lawrence. Okay, that's fine. Well, I think I'm going to start with um, Dexter. I know uh, less about than probably the other two guests that we have, so I'm going to let Dexter Davis introduce himself. And, Dexter, tell us, introduce yourself, where you're from, and why were you, why were you involved in this, this movement that's still going on? And and take about two or three minutes and tell us why you were in why you were in Washington uh, before we introduce the other guests. Dexter. Okay. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Dexter Davis. I'm from the state of Louisiana, a little small town called Sumheimer, Louisiana. Uh, it's a particularly a farm community, and I got involved in this particular situation as long as already uh, uh, stated uh, decade, And the reason that I found myself involved in this particular situation is because of the discriminatory act by Farm Service Agency, FHA, at that time when the, these events occurred. But uh, the, the devastating thing that they've done when they refused to put these loans on time, they had an interest in the land that I when I first began to start the farm was I purchased land at the early stage of it, and we had interested uh, white farmers that you know felt that I was a threat, and that's one of the particular things that they have when they see a black farmer get into this particular game, they usually look out for a threat they may propose along the way, so. The USDA, through the acts of the local farmers, white farmers, I should say, they uh, particularly go in and can lead or dictate the USDA or the Farm Service Agency, agency uh, loan officer to uh, deviate from how your loan uh, should be processed. Uh, the county committees in my area, in my state, that I was able to uh, research all of this information and find that as, as well as other farmers have done the same. But I particularly kept records of everything and, and, and looked at all the events and how they occurred. And I was able to, uh, later on in the game, I was able to go through the court system and was able to get a settlement because the, the evidence was so, you know, it was so evidently clear what they were doing. So I, I got involved and was 
willing to go the extra mile to have these cases resolved and have it looked at and, you know, and to keep everything to where USDA just wouldn't just what's called run over me. I took an effort, and usually you take an effort to, to fight against the wrongs that are, that are uh, evident, then we can, we, we can make a difference. We can come together as black farmers and we come together as a group, and we can make a bigger impact by doing so. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate uh, that introduction. Um, let's have uh, Michael Stovall from Alabama. Um, Michael, give the our listening uh, audience an idea as to why you are so involved in this issue. And I know you've been on the show many times, but many times uh, we don't know who's listening. So I want you to make sure that uh, you include why, uh, and you repeated it before, why you are still involved in this issue today and and why you were in Washington, D.C., just real quickly. Thank you. Yeah, thanks good for being evening. On the show. Uh, good evening. My name is Michael Stovall. I'm here in Town Creek, Alabama. I'm a fourth generation of farmers in my family. And one of the reasons that I've been in the movement so long, because I've seen so many black farmers lose their land because of discrimination and hence the USDA. And one of the reasons we band together and went to Washington, D.C. to bring on a change, because Congress had passed some legislation to support uh, the, the wrongdoing of the USDA, but it never went or as it should have to make a difference in any black farmers' lives. And we're still in the struggle as of today because of continuation of discrimination in the hands of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. We have lost millions of acres of land because of discrimination. Nobody really interested in doing anything about it. So we met with Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker in, in the Senate in reference to this matter, to try to move this thing to something different. But the Secretary of Agriculture refused to address the issue of black farmers when it comes down to discrimination. And that's been our plight for many years, trying to get justice for black farmers. I've been in this fight for 30 years with a finding of discrimination to breach a settlement agreement. I've seen many black farmers die in the struggle. And and the USDA refused to do the right thing. But if we was white farmers, uh, this would never continue to be going on in 2023. So we asked in the listening orders, call your senators, call your congressmen, and look at the history of the USDA, how they have destroyed black families' lives all across the United States of America. Okay, thank you very much, Michael. Uh, just a little uh, housekeeping chores. Um, when when the other person is speaking, uh, because sometimes we get feedback from uh, our phones or paper being moved around, uh, while each person is talking, uh, please mute your phone so that uh, we don't get uh, too much feedback and everything comes across the air 
very clear, and and I thank you very much, uh, Michael. Thank you very much for that introduction. You'll have plenty of time to talk about uh, why we're really on this show tonight in a few moments. But first, we want to introduce. I want to say also, I'm sorry to have. Um, um, I've been co-hosting the show for four years, and I'm sorry to say that we don't have uh, Marty Oakley on uh, tonight. Uh, she always adds such a, a flavor to the show. I, I really miss her, but um, we're going to uh, keep the show going, and we are hoping that uh, she gets well very soon. I wanted to mention that. Uh, we now have um, Dr. Wayman Henson. And Dr. Henson has joined us, and he has been a very important uh, person, party, in carrying out this struggle. Uh, I met uh, Dr. Henson many years ago, and I think we were down in Alabama, uh, someplace down, and, and Wayman can, can correct me, but he is a gentleman who is a doctor, a psychologist, a professor, researcher, a documentary on black farmers, and he's going to tell you about a little about why he's involved. But I want want to make sure that we tell our listening audience he has been with us in this struggle and has made a lot of sacrifices. Uh, for many years now for black farmers and others in this struggle. Uh, I'm glad to have tonight Dr. Wayman Henson uh, from Texas. Glad to have you on, Wayman. Uh, here we go. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you've been on the show before, tell us a little bit about, about where we are now and how you got involved uh, in this struggle because we always have new uh, new listeners uh, Dr. Henson, and thanks for being well, well, thank you for the invite. I, I appreciate uh, being with you. Consider it an honor to sit on the same panel tonight with uh, Michael and Dexter and you. Uh, always learn a lot and always believe really inspired to keep the struggle, keep, keep the fight up against the struggle. To, to, to make a long story short, uh, I was introduced in 1994 to the stories of African-American farmers and their struggles to hold on to their land and their livelihood uh, against the, the mistreatment, the misdeeds of the U.S. Department of Agriculture down at the local county level of what was then called FMHA. And so the sad thing is that what I observed in 94 is still going on in 2023. And in some ways, there have been some farmers who have had their debt relieved. There are some farmers who have received uh, compensatory damages, uh, debt relief, priority of services, <clears throat> and things like that. And then there are many, many other farmers who have not seen uh, anything positive coming out of the plethora of lawsuits that uh, have been going on through the years. So. Uh, my entry was in 94. I participated in a mediation hearing in 97 before um, employees with the USDA and DOJ, and I saw really firsthand, live and in person, exactly what lawyers 
within the Department of Justice think and how they treat black farmers. Uh, so it's one thing to hear the stories on the one hand, and those stories are damaging, they're riveting, they're heartbreaking, and then to see some representative of the federal government treating farmers and their lawyers with utter disregard. And so to make a long story short, once I began to hear those stories, uh, I was hooked uh, because, I, and what I've said for years now, is that I wasn't prepared for what I heard, what I saw, and what I felt. And so I would go out um, uh, into Louisiana or into Georgia, and so for several days, the only white face that I would see would be, uh, would be my own in the mirror. And I would interview the farmers, uh, their families, their extended families. Extended families would come in to interview with me, or I would meet uh, leaders of the churches, uh, citizens in the area where they live, providing corroborating information about the legitimacy of the character of these people and how the wrongs were that had been uh, perpetrated upon them. So when I put on my psychologist hat, my job was to examine what you would call pre-morbid conditions. And that's a technical term, pre-morbid conditions. And then what's called post-morbid conditions. And so the question is, how well were these farmers and families doing before discrimination started and during all the time that it was ongoing and it was relentless? And then what were the results of that discrimination? And so coming out of that, I formed some very strong opinions about the uh, degree of damage to the health and well-being of farmers, their spouses, their adult children. And what I found was that if there were children who were not involved in any way with what was going on with their moms and dads and USDA, their view of USDA was brighter than were those older kids who were in the fight with their moms and dads. And what I also found was that the damages that Mr. Farmer experienced and told me about were very, very similar to the stories that the farmer's spouse, Mrs. Farmer, told me about. And so the questions that I came out with were, what does an eye cost? What does a kidney cost? What does a brain cost? And if we believe that we could ever restore farmers and families to their lifestyle, to their health before all these things got going, we're in a mess of trouble because you can't. We can never restore somebody to the way their lives were before this unrelenting, relentless um, acts of malfeasance on the part of the county committee folks. So I saw all of those things, and then once I became involved with that litigation side of it, then I wanted to gather more stories and so formed a deep, meaningful relationship with the Grant family and Gary Grant out of um, Tillery, North Carolina. And then from there, with Gary's help, wrote a grant proposal, and Sean Hill and I were able to uh, come up with enough money out of that grant proposal and then out of crowdsourcing to do the documentary. And so we interviewed 
nine of the first 15 black farmers who settled with the feds between 97 and 99. And settlement is a loose term. Some did very well and some did not so well because the federal government, at the end of the day, they're going to own a piece of you if you're a black farmer, no matter how good they think the settlement turned out to be. And so the documentary uh, that you mentioned a moment ago, Lawrence, tells the stories of those farmers and, and their struggles to hold on to the land. And we also interviewed uh, other people who provided corroborating information that, yes, this is exactly what was going on. So have been involved in a variety of ways, want very much to be involved in the day coming when all black farmers can hold on to their land, uh, get compensatory damages for their pain and suffering, and see their debts alleviated. I'm not holding out a lot of hope for that, given the machinations of the guy who's sitting in the secretary's office and the boss who hired them, the person who's sitting in the White House. But that's my hope, and that's my dream, and that's or a few moments of uh, some of those initial stories. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for all your introductions. Uh, very good. And that will kind of spin into the conversation that we're going to be talking about is the U.S. Department of Agriculture and why black farmers had a, a need to go to Washington and, and on March 1st, 1st of 2023 and stand in front of the White House and demonstrate for a long period of time, 50 or 60 farmers uh, came from all around the country, from Michigan to Louisiana, from northern Virginia to Texas. Uh, now I would like to have begin to have a conversation about, and let's talk, and um, you all can, uh, but in any time you want to, to to, ana to add antidote to the conversation. So we're now in what we call the conversation period, and I'll be available to ask questions, but I want you all to tell us what you experienced, why you were there in front of the White House, and who was there in front of the White House, why they were there, and, and what occurred in terms of participation, what occurred in terms of the many signs uh, that were there, and some of the, even the chants that we had. So, uh, Michael Stovall, why don't you get us uh, started in the direction of having a conversation, and we can chime in anytime you want to about what occurred in front of the White House on March 1 of this year, only a few weeks ago. And why were you there, and what did you what did, what did you expect to accomplish, Michael Stovall? Well, we was there. Black farmers came from all over the United States to make a difference, and some of the black farmers that then passed away because black farmers realized that we wouldn't get due process uh, through legislation and waiting on the change for. 20 and 30 and 40 years, and we still get the same old thing. So we all band together with, you know, with Lawrence Lucas and Wayman Hitson and Tracy McCurry and 
Lloyd Wright and many other people um, just to bring the awareness to the government that's what's really going on with the pain and suffering of black farmers all across the United States. And we had signs asking for the secretary to um, leave, uh, put in his resignation, and move on. We asked for Biden to fire him because he's not doing anything the legislation clearly states for him to do. And the reason why, because he's so against black farmers being able to save the land. So we as black farmers, you know, start realizing under Barack Obama's administration that he wasn't doing anything and he was steady being a part of the problem. And uh, we need some justice and we need justice now. And don't seem like we're getting anywhere. It seems like we go four steps ahead and six steps backwards because black farmers are steady suffering. If we was white farmers today, we would get due process. They don't want to settle cases. You know, they got backlogs of cases, and they refuse to do anything about fixing the civil rights office. They got over 2,000 uh, backlog cases there. And nobody seems to want to address the real issue of the black farmers. And black farmers steady suffering all across the United States, steady losing land. And we realize that most black farmers are small farmers. you got some that's in the middle. But having a processing plant and having distribution because the white farmers block us out of their, are out of their programs and out of anything that they're making money on. So we have a problem all across the board when it comes to black farmers staying on the land and be able to survive. And, you know, the USDA steady pushing us out, you know, not giving us programs, not selling complaints, not following the legislation. And this is it's just so pathetic. In 2023, black folks are still suffering like we are when it comes about all the land that we have lost over $350 billion of loss of land because of discrimination on this agency called the USDA, the last plantation. And we need to do something about it. We need more leadership. We need more people speaking out about the loss of land that black farmers have lost. I'm talking about generational wealth that's taken taken, uh, illegally from the black community. And we need, we need support. We need, people to call your congressmen, call your senators in reference to the pain and suffering of black folks all across the United States when it comes to land ownership. You know, you go into these local county offices, they tell you they don't have an application, or if they do have an application, they give you less amount of money than what you need to farm that operation, automatically put you up, put you behind. Or either they give you a long late. If you go in there in January, you might not get along into August, and you need that money in March. If you start in December and you put in your application, you will approved, you might not get no money until August. It's too late in the game to even plant a crop. Those are the things, and too less of the amount of money that's needed. Those are the things they do to destroy black family farms. So we have to really take a look at how much land has been taken and how Congress allow it and how the Justice Department plays right along with the U.S. Department of Agriculture to destroy black families 
and black farmers across the United States, they need to be held accountable. They're supposed to be the police of the world, of the United States, and here they plan a part in taking the land from the black farmers. So the plaque of going to Washington, D.C. to bring awareness to what's going on with black family farms and how much land we have lost over the centuries because of discrimination in the hands of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So we ask for black leaders, white leaders, anybody can hear this issue that we have and on this on this radio today to address the wrongdoing of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and hold them accountable what they have done to many black families. I'm talking about generation after generation after generation of loss of land and loss of wealth. It's time out for this. You know, we live in together. We need to stand together and make a difference in everybody's life. But when we as black folks are taken advantage of so badly, we can't pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Every time we pull ourselves up, they knock us right back down. And then they turn around and want to give $500,000. What can $500,000 do for a black farmer high as land is today? An acre of land costs you $10,000, $8,000 acre, and you didn't took two, 300 acres from these farmers what can $500,000 do for a farmer today? That's a drop in the bucket, insult to most black real farmers. So we need Congress, we need the president to do something about fixing this racism at the hands of the USDA, the last plantation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, uh, Mr. Davis from Louisiana, uh, tell us what – what what did you get out of what? Why do you think? Uh, really, why were the farmers there? Uh, they came from so many places, uh, and and it also brought you there from Louisiana. Uh, tell us what uh, what did what did you think the purpose of the demonstration was, and do you think it reached its goal? And what do you think needs to happen uh, afterwards? Go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you, Lawrence. Um, I was uh, would like to say that we've seen the numbers of farmers from various states. Clearly, that shows that there was an importance for them to be there. And when they when they came, uh, they were they were able to uh, demonstrate and show that there was a deep concern for the purpose of them being there. Came, they knew uh, before they left that. Their, 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 their homes, they knew something had to be done and it had to be done immediately because we saw the numbers that were there. Uh, it, it, the purpose was to come there to receive justice. And, you know, and justice is free to everyone that's a citizen of this country. So we as black folk had to make an extraordinary effort to receive this particular justice. Something we should not have to fight for because it was given to every U.S. United States citizen. And when everyone came, we know it did have an impact because the signs that was being uh, portrayed clearly told the story what every black farmer faced. And those signs uh, were clear evident to the media, 
to anyone that, you know, took a vision of it and let them know that, hey, there's some serious uh, actions going on here. USDA has made a name for themselves, you know, with black farmers. But now they need to make a name with those who are not familiar with the problem that the black farmers are going through. We need we need their help. We need to see we need for them to see just what's happening to us because it's like they're blinded because they probably don't ever hear it. And it's good for this media, this 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 show that will be able to to illustrate that, you know, the uh with the participants on this call. They can hear it. They can hear it. You know, sometimes you don't have to just be uh, you know, around things that's happening. You can just hear it. But with the tone and with the evidence that you can see that's going on around you, around them rather, they can they can clearly see that this is real, this is happening, and good things that we are able to get on the show and really tell what's really going on in our lives. Uh, but we have to continue the fight, no doubt, because we have to make a, a stronger effort and to get Congress involved. Because that's who passes legislation. We have to continue to go there. We got to keep pounding on the doors, letting them know this is what's going on with it. It's not that they don't know, but if these things happen and you don't say anything, they figure it's just accepted. You know, we they accept it, not saying anything about it. But they see that we're not accepting because we're complaining. We're we're in the offices of of the Congress people, letting them know these are the actions. These are the uh, these, these problems that we are having with USDA. You know, and we, it's a particular thing about who was there. It was important people. You know, there were farmers in general, but we have people uh, coming in and, and, and uh, that's on the outside of the farm industry, but they have a concern. They come in and they advocate for us. Like uh, uh, Mr. Henson on the phone, he, he's right there every step of the way. He's not a farmer, but... He, uh, I think Lawrence explained everything that he is, and he's taking the time and the effort to uh, 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 listen to the, the the problems and the plight of the black farmers. So people like that, Tracy and all others, yourself, Lawrence, you know, we, we, this, this, is, this is important, and we appreciate that. And we are most grateful that we are able to uh, go through this fight, not by ourselves, but we have help. And, you know, everybody that looks at the situation may be different, but it's all the same, if you ask me. But as far as the settlement is concerned, you know, I think it was a cap put on it at 500000 as Michael said. You know, that's not sufficient for everyone. Some some may not, you know, you look at the merits of an individual case like courts do. Then they base it on that, but they just put a cap on it and boom, that's it. That's the limit, you know. If you if your case is worth uh, $80,000, you stop. If it's worth three million, five hundred. That's just the way they have faced it and put it in that particular situation. It may not be acceptable to everyone, but we need to uh, continue uh, with whatever effort that we can to make it fair for everyone. You know, so this thing that we do and how we continue to do it, always be able to get the uh get our uh get the media involved. Let me hold one second. To get the media involved and that is very important because those eyes and ears will 
turn to that, then we can get the information out better that way. So what I want to accomplish is that every black farmer get justice because that's the, that's the bottom line. It's all about justice because, you know, why a particular set of people is picked out for this particular instance to not receive justice. So it's not that we have to uh, 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 be in a position to where we have to earn it. We was afforded that anyway. That's the thing. So if we can uh, get the ear of the president and have him address the concerns of the black farmers, and, and we know clearly if he, that way we know uh, we will be assured that he knows about the plight of the black farmers. You know, it's as if, well, does the president know? Uh, why wouldn't he know? But I, I look at the instant that he has so many things on his plate. Does he take time to put it on the agenda to, to address it? We look at things that are happening across the country, and, you know, and I hate to say it like that. We know things that happen that gets us attention, things that happen like with the school shooters, with the, uh, the, the, the storms that are going on our country. Uh, my heart goes out, and he is those too, but he addressed them. Not that we prioritize him doing that, but, you know, if he if he does that, he can look at the that the black farmer, and I wouldn't want to categorize it saying it's as important as the other things that are happening, but the black farmer situation has been happening for decades, years, and it seems like it gets no better. You know, you can go in and settle a case with the USDA when they find discrimination in the case. The next thing you know, once the case is settled, the next round is worse than the first. It's, it's much worse. Retaliation is the name of it. And they carry out, they carry it out very well. They have a tendency to seem like, well, if you, if you did it to embarrass us, then we're going to, you know, it's like, put them in a, a a better position to treat you fairly at the time, but it doesn't, then who's the watchdog? You know, it seems like they get to the point to where they police themselves. We need the Department of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Office of General Counsel, Department of Justice, all of those. You know, what are they doing to make the situation better? Do we have to go through another 30 or 40 years with the same thing? So it had to stop at some point. So we have taken the position to put ourselves in a position to where this stop for our next generation and the generation after that. Otherwise, if we don't do it now, they'll continue to have to face these same extremists when they decide to get into this act of farming. You know, farming was the first occupation. So we don't want them to, you know, at least push us or deviate it from us from being able to willingly, you know, do a decision of our own, not to be forced to do it or not, and not to be forced out of the situation when we do decide to do it. What we're doing, so the, the impact on Washington is something that I feel was a, uh, you know, was a was a was a was a was a good point to prove that these things are happening to us, and we got to continue it. We can't stop. Not now, anyway. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Davis. Um, I'd like to now hear from uh, Dr. Henson. Uh, he was there. And, Dr. Henson, what is 
What What is your take on what happened uh, there in front of the White House and and, and also very important, uh, share with our listening public just uh, what happened when we uh, we had the opportunity to sit down in Senator Booker's office on Capitol Hill and the results of that. Uh, can you touch on that, please? Because I think that's very important. Sure, sure. I've been thinking. <clears throat> I've been thinking a lot about about this uh, demonstration, Lawrence. Um, and what occurs to me is that, from my read of civil rights history here in our country, that African Americans have a long, rich history of demonstrating or protesting for uh, for things that are going on wrong to be corrected. Uh, you know, we know the names of Rosa Parks. We know the name of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. We know the sanitation workers strike in Memphis, Tennessee. And so I know that the black farmers have had several protests or demonstrations in front of USDA or the White House through the years. But this particular one was symbolically honoring what was happening with the Pigford farmers in Pigford v. Glickman back in 1999. So this was uh, the fairness hearing took place, if I remember right, on March the 2nd, 1999. So here we are in front of the White House on March the 1st, 2023, uh, making noise, carrying – the signs were incredible. Uh, these signs were in your face. And I remember a couple of weeks before we went, in one Zoom call one night, we just started kind of ripping out what we wanted to be on the signs – and so there were things like uh, you gave us the White House. Well, we gave you the White House. You gave us Tom Vilsack. Uh, Vilsack must go um, cancel all black farmer debt, uh, just several things like that. And then the chanting that went on, uh, we had to keep moving on the sidewalk or the police would come and, you know, get us, you know, we're in trouble if we don't keep moving. There was one particular policewoman wearing her green thing came up to me and said, sir, if you don't keep moving, we can arrest you. Well, okay. So I just stepped down onto the street. Um, And so we were moving along the sidewalk for 30 minutes, chanting these various things. And so, so Dexter said something about how could they not know? And so if you look back to the White House, and these guys in black uniforms, uniforms are on top of the White House, and they had cameras and they had guns, uh, you know, so they knew we were there. And then one of Secretary Vilsack's employees was watching the demonstration from over under the trees at Lafayette Park. So Tom Vilsack, the secretary, knew we were there. Now, how he knew, how they all knew, I have no idea. But that all led to a meeting in Cory Booker's office. And so the number was supposed to be 18. We're not going to tell farmers you can't come. So it wound up being roughly 35 in the meeting. And we walk into the meeting, and there's a person there who's really not supposed to be there. Uh, He's... um, one of Secretary Bill Sachs' employees in the Ag Department. And then and then the temperature in the room 
you know, and, and, and Michael and Dexter may speak to this, but the temperature in the room really goes up. It gets really intense. And some folks uh, were speaking strongly to him. Why he was there, you don't need to be here, blah, blah, blah. And then Senator Warren comes in, and it's kind of like a dearly beloved grandmother or mother walks into the room, and she begins not to talk to us, but to listen to us. So she was there probably 30, 45 minutes, listen to the farmers and their stories, um, and, and that, that was incredible. The fact that she would take time out of her busy day to come and spend that much time with us was really, really said a lot. And what she said by her presence and by the generosity of her spirit was exactly what we found back in 2019 when she said, this is all about heirs' property. And we respectfully said, no, not so, Ms. Warren. And then she invited us to participate with her policy team on getting her policy together. And then she leaves and, and Senator Booker comes in and he has this bigger than life personality. He's very gregarious and warm and outgoing. Again, did some listening, did more talking, uh, wanted his staffer to gather some information from Vilsack that we know Vilsack has that uh, he's not giving to us despite a couple of years of asking for them for the data. And so he, he played his cards with us differently than she played her cards with us, so to speak. But to be, but to have two senators in the room with us during the course of that two hours was really, really incredible because we want the, the demonstration to, like, to make a lot of noise, to highlight the issues, to get the attention of the people in the White House the attention of people in the Ag Department to get the people, the representatives and the, the senators. And one of our representatives, Danny Davis from Virginia, came and spoke to our group on uh, the, uh, on Tuesday night, the dinner at the hotel on Tuesday night. So, so there were three congressionals who spent a lot of time with us, and that was very valid. And so they got to hear firsthand these challenges. So when they go back, their decisions around these problems, they have farmers and families in their in their heads and in their hearts. Uh, that, that's kind of my, my summation of, of the, did the demonstration work? We'll find out in the days ahead if it really worked. But we know it got some attention from the Ag Department and it got some attention in the House and it got some attention in the Senate. And that's at least where you've got to start. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Henson. I think uh, one correction, uh, Dr. Henson, uh, the, the person that came and spoke the night before the demonstration was, uh, wasn't Danny Davis, uh, Congressman Davis. It was uh, Congressman uh, Bobby Scott from oh, Bobby Virginia. Scott. Yeah, okay. I apologize. I apologize for that misstep. Yeah, and not not a problem. Not a problem. Um, I, I think that kind of. But I, I really, in terms of of why we're there, uh, can we now talk? Because uh, I know why we were there in front of the White House, and I want to share with you some of the 
uh, some of the other signs that uh, because there were signs and there was political satire or cartoons uh, depicting what we felt and the farmers felt about what is going on at USDA. Uh, One of the signs read, Black Farmers uh, Debt Relief, uh, as called for in the already passed legislation. And what that means is that we have legislation that has been passed. And while the Secretary of Agriculture sits uh, there at agriculture, he's paying billions and millions of dollars to white farmers. But he has not, he has not implemented a program of paying black farmers. He's only cherry-picked a few farmers uh, to keep uh, the tone or, or our silence. That is not going to work. Uh, one of the others were, uh, one of the signs said, accountability, transparency, oversight, and and finally justice. Uh, we don't want uh, just uh, uh, we want justice. Uh, when we when do we want it? Uh, that was a that was a chant more or less that uh, came from uh, the Reverend Binion from Alabama, who 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 is a, a preacher and understands the importance, and he used some of the the words from the civil rights movement. Um, we want justice. When do we want it? We want it now. Um, I think those are some of the kinds of things that came out and kind of set the tone. Uh, I think there was signs saying uh, fix the county committee system, which we know that the county committee system is not fixed and that uh, the new equity commission has done very little to, to fix that. Uh, resolve the case backlog, the thousands of cases not properly processed. Another sign say USDA is guilty of crimes against humanity, and few say anything about it. That That is a very telling sign. Uh, put into place a system to record, resolve these backlog cases. These are some of the things that uh, were there. Uh, one sign said, uh, agitate, 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 which is from uh, uh, the words of Frederick Douglass uh, that he gave uh, and said uh, a few months before he passed. These are some of the kinds of things and signs that were there. Um, does anyone want to and, – and, uh, uh, oh, uh, Wayman, could you kind of give us an idea of uh, – what the political satire, the cartoons, some of the cartoons and what they depict, and we can maybe have a reaction from uh, from uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Davis and Mr. Stovall. Uh, but there were, yeah, th- thanks for asking. I, I was really hoping that that would be a would be a topic. Uh, we've connected uh, with uh, uh, an artist in Los Angeles, California, who's had a career of drawing political satire. So once Tracy had an hour or two conversation with him, Ramses just got it. And so he sent us these uh, cartoons, that, that's a, not a good word, these drawings that are cartoonish that have brutal messages attached to them. For instance, I'm looking at one on my computer screen right now, and it's President Biden uh, front and center and in his right hand is black voters in my hand, like he's singing a song. 
and then in his left hand are puppets, and the puppets are uh, Bill Sack and a couple of other folks. And back in the background behind President Biden is a picture, is a flag with uh, a black farmer uh, hanging by the neck. So th- these are brutal. Then there's another one um, that shows a conflict uh, between uh, Bill Sack and one of his employees and one of the people who's really uh, caring about what's going on in the in the USDA with, with farmers. And one that was really biting, there's a phrase that one particular farmer uses, and we've actually heard it on this radio program, of calling the secretary the grand wizard. So once Ramesses heard that phrase, he drew a drawing of a wizard in KKK regalia. And there's, in one hand is a burning cross, and another hand are uh, documents with denied and no and that sort of thing. And a cross in front of them is USDA with four smaller KKK folks, KKK members. And in front of them is a black farmer family with their bags packed and they're leaving the land. And back in the background, it's in the middle of the field, and back in the background, is a farmer is a farm rather and the land is on fire and so these are brutally honest depictions of what a political satirist says and thinks and draws about the struggles that that uh, we're involved with and uh, that's just that's just that's just three of them that they're they're more but yeah okay well brutal. thank you thank you very much uh for kind of identifying uh what those uh uh, what those signs said, uh, that, especially the, the political satire by Ramses from California. Uh, Michael Stovall, what, when you were there and y- you were uh, involved in helping to put this, uh, this, 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 this uh, demonstration together, uh, what was your thinking and what did you feel from the demonstration? And, and we're going we're gonna, – uh, use up all our time tonight because there's so much to be said here. So um, can you tell us what what you felt when you were out there and what you felt about the signs and and about what you think uh, what you think the direction was uh, and the reason why you were there and what you were hoping from President Biden by being in front of his house? Well. The movement was very promising because the way things set up and ended up so quickly and how farmers came from all across the United States of America to show their faces, not only for their own situation, for farmers that passed over and uh, not being able to get their cases handled and the land given back and paid the damage for um it's you know it's just amazing how you know it happened so quickly and we was able to pull it off with a, a lot of support and uh people donating if different things happen but the reason why black farmers came together was to bring uh, awareness to the United States of America what's actually going on with black farmers all across the United States. 
We went to stand in front of the president's house to let him know that we're sick and tired of being sick and tired of so many black families losing so much land because of discrimination at the hands of the USDA. You know, people getting sick and losing their limbs, losing their eyesight, the stress is killing them because of discrimination. But if we was white farmers, this would never have been going on as long as it has. When black farmers have lost millions of acres of land because of discrimination at this agency, and nobody wants to hear our cry. And we've been out there on the stump. I've been out there and seen other farmers been out there for at least 30 years. It's a crying shame that the Justice Department upholds the wrongdoing of this agency. The Justice Department itself needs to be held accountable from allowing the USDA to steal so many black families' land. And we had called on the president itself and even the next president after this president to do something about the systemic racism at the U.S. Department of Agriculture is steady going on. Until they change the systemic racism, black farmers don't stand a chance even going into the building, um, arrested for any of the programs, getting any of the loans, because the systemic racism is so bad, it's so embedded. I've seen farmers have loans that's been paid off, and none of the money was applied to the debt. So the money was sitting in the office without even applying to the debt of the farmers, and the farmer lost their land. So this, this, this systemic racism goes all across the United States, from one county office to the next county office, and nobody wanted to see to address the discrimination factor at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And we call for all congressmen, all senators, the black caucus, and everybody to change this problem, to do something about this systemic racism at the hands of the U.S. Department of Agriculture because it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop for black farmers, and we are steady lose land. And 2023, we're still fighting Jim Crow. We're still fighting racism. It's so embedded like we was back in the 50s and 60s. It's time out for that, and we call all young generations to come and stand and help fight this demon that we've been fighting for many, many years and many decades. Black farmers don't stand a chance without the Congress and without the president writing the legislation, putting things in place and putting the proper people in there to implement the legislation. If you have legislation and you don't have the right person to implement it, it's just like you don't have it at all. So we call for the President Biden to write an executive order to fix this problem that you've been knowing, been going on for decades, the pain and suffering of black farmers all across the United States. It's time out for that. It's time for you to pay the, 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 the heirs of the farmers that's been passed on. You know exactly who they are. The USDA knows whose land they take in illegally. We need those farmers compensated because $500,000 is no money for a real farmer. They've been suffering for 20 and 30 years and lost all kind of income. That's an insult. So we need something done that's going to fix the problem. You get $32 billion to the Native Americans. You give 20 and 50 and $60 billion to the white farmers, 
but you want to give the black farmers crumbs, and then you want us to fight over it. It's not fair. That little money they put in that bill is not nearly enough to compensate the loss of land, the pain and suffering these black farmers have suffered all across the United States of America. It's time for justice. It's time for justice all across the United States when it comes to loss of land of black farmers. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Stovall. Uh, Mr. Davis from Louisiana, uh, what what did you feel? Uh, what did you feel when you were out there in front of the White House? And uh, tell us what you felt, and and the meeting that you went to, and 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 what are the expectations in the future, uh, Mr. Davis? Feel good about the gathering. Because one thing I always uh, said, that together we stand, divided, we fall. I saw a lot of togetherness. I saw when everyone came together, everybody spoke the same language. You know, so therefore, we didn't hear anything that was outside of the realm of what everyone had experienced, was experiencing, or was it what they was going to experience. So we was able to have a, a thorough communication. And when that communication came into play, then we were able to come together and have a planning committee because we got on the uh, 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 conference calls and we, we made those plans of what we were going to do. So that gave me a real good feeling with the with everyone coming together. And while we was out there in front of the the White House, that was a the one of the most uh, prominent places to have it at. Like you said, in front of the president's house. Um, it's like when we came there, although we didn't go inside the White House, we was at the White House. And in any time we went, or since we went to the White House, we knew then that the president had to be the host because he was at his house. He wasn't at our house. So when came from everyone uh, walking the street with those signs and we was uh, marching and, 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 and we demonstrated and we uh, illustrated uh, what the happenings were, it gave me a, 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 a real good impression that the continuation of these particular things is going to come to fruition. We just had got to have the strength to continue to go forward, and to you know not just take a stand for uh, 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 dividing ourselves and and just you know losing faith in this process. But we, it's, I, I took it to where even I, I say it like this: even though we are chipping off the block, eventually that tree gonna fall, and we wanted to fall in our team to do what we do. And you know, and, and and not give in to what Bill Sack is saying, or what the president's saying, what the uh, USDA is saying, what the county committees are saying. They are they are a team, but we as black farmers, we are a team as well. So we gotta uh, put our best foot forward. So we know that with these things that have been happening for these years, we know the president, particularly, they all say it, brother. I know President Obama said that. I, I had in particular heard President Biden, but I think he had, if I'm not mistaken, that 
The president will always say that he'll take full responsibility for whatever happens under his administration. So all of these things that happen, it's it's tunnels to him. So these things are happening under his administration. So Vilsack has come in, and he has wrecked destruction among the black farmers. Things that he could do, just at the stroke of a pen, he refuses. So we now, if we say, look, we're just going to, these things are not happening, we're going to give up. That's not the attitude that I have. And I'm pretty sure none of the other demonstrators had that reaction either. But with that being said, we are continuing, you know, day by day, week by week, month by month, whatever it takes. But you keep chopping on the block, as I said, it crumbles. Or you chop on the trees, the root of a tree, it eventually falls. So we don't want to get discouraged. So I feel real good about the situation. Now we have to uh, get on the planning stage and get ready to go back to Washington because I'm real firm about togetherness. You know, it has worked. I've been in search groups that where we were able to walk hand in hand, speak the same language, and then everybody be on the same page. Then nothing else outside of that has to be entered to discourage what we have going on. So if we just continue to, to stay the course, because it is, it's not like we start the fight, but it's a such thing as ending the fight. We can end the fight, but if we keep putting forth the effort to uh, 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 get the attention of our uh, Congress people, the legislature, the president, all of those involved, to give them a change of heart, because their heart is in a direction of destroying the black farm. That's the bottom line. What ways can we get rid of the black farm? Because looking at the crack report and all the reports that have been out time and time before, that we still see these particular things going on. Martin Luther King marched, and for these things not to happen. But we still see it happening. So the fight, you know, it's when he said the fight didn't end there, the fight got to be carried on. So, But we got to make it to where we don't have to see this fight again. We, we may see another fight, but we don't want to see this one. This has been going on long enough. You know, this, you know, we don't want a new fight, but so be it. This one uh, uh, needs to end. Uh, we need to get this back to Change. Okay, uh, um, okay thank you. Um, um, Mr. Davis, before you before you go, uh, give me uh, uh, real quickly, give me the impression you had of what went on in the meeting uh, where uh, Elizabeth Warren came in Senator Booker's office. Kind of give me just quickly before I move on to another another piece, another subject. Okay, uh, give me your impression. I, what I, I got a re- yes, I got a real good impression because when she came, her attention focused what uh, impressed me the most because she was very attentive of the question that came out and it was directed toward her and about the situation that we was you know uh, are dealing with. She gave a uh, she was able, like you said, and I think we all had that impression that she was able to focus on the question, you know, and I, I felt that was a that was a that was a good uh, indication that you know we are able we're going forward in that sense because she was able to express herself after she heard the question but she she didn't give direct uh, implications there but she would have to go and do a review but whatever she 
she's going to review, she has soaked it in. She didn't just throw it outside and she redirected herself and focused attention on something else. She stayed focused. That was my, I was, I, I was very impressed about that. And, and, and also with the question that came at her about, you know, I think Goldman came in and the reaction of the people, why she was there, you know, you know, he, he, he was allowed, he wasn't allowed to, uh, uh, take over the, you know, the, the conversation that was going on. He answered some questions. They were doing directly, uh, 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 directed toward him because he really wasn't invited guest. But since he was in the room, you know, she made it clear that she sounded like she was very attentive to what was uh, being done in that meeting. Okay, thank. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Henson. Um, what 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 did you get out of? Um, um, a kind of a summation of, or a conclusion as to what happened in Washington and where you think the farmers should go next. What, what is your What is your feeling on that? Well, I think the way the way the, the way Michael and, and and Dexter were saying that we all came together as farmers and friends and advocates, and we were chanting and we were marching, we were demonstrating with one mind. And when we showed up in Senator Booker's office, uh, we were of one mind. And with that kind of solidarity is what we were looking for, is we take that energy, we take those ideas, and we problem solve in terms of what to do next. We don't, we don't go out there and leave the demonstration alone and don't touch it and don't do anything else, thinking that the demonstration solved things for us, but it created opportunities for us. And so we go from there to the next to the next thing. We we problem solve as to what to do next and then what to do next and then what to do next. And we know that this is a long, drawn out struggle. It doesn't have to be, but the powers that be in the White House and the USDA demand that it be a long drawn out struggle. Uh, but we keep on fighting and we keep on uh, orienting ourselves toward goals and perspectives. And so, so this talk about a smaller group of us going back to D.C. to the White House and then also to the, to the USDA, I think that's the next thing. We keep on knocking on the door until we get somebody's attention, and that's Vilsack and that's Biden. That's what the farmers are demanding get their attention and get the farmers' debts paid off so they can they can go about their business and make a living. That's, those are some of my thoughts about it. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Michael Stowall, we, we're kind of uh, – we're going into uh, our last 15 minutes. And um, what I would like to have from you, uh, Mr. Stowall, what do you think uh, the black farmers – and we have to do next. What what do you think America needs to do next? What do you think President Biden needs to do about this continued abuse uh, and racism going on at USDA under his administration at USDA? What what is your take on that? Well, my take on that is the black farmers just gonna have to keep rallying and keep demanding the president to write an executive order to uh, fix the problem because this is systemic racism, and it's embedded in the whole U.S. Department of Agriculture. And until
until we can get something solid, black farmers can't stand a chance to survive uh, another 20 years of pain and suffering and discrimination under the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And also I want to address them in the the senator's office, Senator Booker's office. It was a deal cut before we got there. Black farmers never got a chance to sit sit down at the table to discuss what due process should be. So when we got there in the senator's office, we see people standing around and cut a deal, and it was obvious that they had cut a deal without the farmers even being there when they capped this money at $500,000. And $500,000 is not even enough to even get started with a a black farmer that lost thousands and 200 and 300 and 500 acres of land. So it was a deal cut cut before we got there. We could tell that uh, uh, by the people in the room and how they was agreeing to each other. We could sit, we could tell something wasn't right. So and moving forward, we asked for the president to do something about this racist injustice that had occurred to many black families across the United States. Uh, You can't sugarcoat it. You just have to be blunt and tell it like it is. And that's what we're going to have to continue to do and let the world know how many thousands of acres black farmers have lost because of discrimination at USDA, how many billions of dollars of losses that occurred because of racism and injustice in this agency is so embedded. It's unbelievable how much they hate us, how much what what all they would go to extent to destroy black farmers across the United States of America. And we call for the president to fix this ongoing injustice that has occurred to black families for many generations. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Stovall. Uh, real quickly, uh, what is your uh, expectations and how we should move forward? Uh, in a, a few minutes or two, uh, uh, Mr. Davis, what, what do you think, real quickly, uh, what should be done uh, moving forward? I think that we should get a letter to the president, to our Congress people, to uh, – all of all, all of the well, I should say the president, all the Congress people, and a letter to the to the Secretary of Agriculture. Not that he hadn't gotten one yet, but we've been sending letters. But we should make our votes count. Let them know that they're in these positions because the power of the vote. And if we all, especially get the, the Congressional Black Caucus, we they're trying to hold. Uh, a, a party, you know, for the Democratic Party, Republican. It, it, it doesn't matter. It, justice matters. And we need to hold those accountable who they say they're going to carry justice out in the country for the vote. If we continue to uh, 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 get them to look at these letters and have them certified or whatever it takes to get them to know that. They are they are they are under the radar. It, it let them know that you can't have our vote if we can't have your support. That's that's my thing. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. 
um, Dr. Hanson, looks like you're going to have the almost the last word. Uh, can you kind of uh, just kind of summarize before we close, um, before I close the show down, uh, tell us what, what you think the expectations are uh, and what came out of uh, this demonstration and the farmers coming together as one in Washington on March 1st in front of the White House. Well, I, th- I don't think I could say it any better than, than Michael and Dexter have said, but uh, I would just ca- kind of add on to, to, to their sound bites that this was a, a moment of solidarity that we work together with a common voice, sending a common message to Vilsack and to Biden. And the common message was President Biden, get rid of Vilsack. He's messing things up and sending a message to him to put somebody in the secretary's seat who can pay off these debts, who can resolve these this backlog of, of cases and can change things within the USDA to root out racism. Uh, and like Michael said, it's always been there, but it doesn't have to be there forever. So it was a moment of solidarity moving in that direction. So using Dexter's metaphor of chopping away at the tree, we keep on chopping away at the tree until the tree falls, until black farmers get justice, get their debts paid off, compensatory damages, and get their farms back and can make a living doing what they love to do. That's the ultimate goal. And I see this demonstration as a, as a signal point along that particular path. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the information and the time that you all have taken uh, to bring to our listening audience, and which is a big audience because now uh, we are syndicated and thousands upon thousands of um, people around the country are listening and can chime in uh, to what you all have, uh, have said. Uh, with that being uh, the case. I'm sorry that, that we don't have Marty Oakley to be a part of closing down the show, but we do have uh, Marcel Reed. And Marcel, uh, here we go. It, it's the end of an, another long show, and we used up almost the entire hour and a half because of the subject matter and the importance of bringing this information about what's going on with black farmers. The one conclusion that we've come to is that uh, this demonstration in front of the White House has been very productive. It has been a calling uh, together of uh, groups and individuals, farmers and advocates from around the country, and I think this movement uh, to bring about change at USDA is going to happen. And I thank uh, all of you for coming on tonight. And Marcel, do you have any uh, any uh, points that you may want to address before we close yes. the show. It's all in yes. your hands now. Okay. Thank you, Lawrence. And thank everyone that was on the call. Dexter, I haven't met you before, but I'm really familiar with uh, Dr. Henson and with Mike Stovall and, uh, um, and you, Lawrence. So, But I, I do want to um, take note of one thing. Um, I'm out of Acorn, so I've I've done a lot of demonstrations in D.C. But the purpose of standing in front of the building is to make more impact when you're inside the building. Um, 
and I think you've been very successful in doing that throughout both Congress and you have the attention of media, though it wasn't enough. Um, I hope that this outlet has proven to be very powerful. It has expanded tremendously in the last few months. And I was just on the site for the first time and saw how far uh, we have listenership. And it really is every continent um, and many of the countries and the largest countries in the, in the world. Um, I'm hoping that you can yoke this with other movements, uh, urban farmers. Uh, I remember um, trying to sow some children in D.C. where food came from. So we actually went out to junior high schools and elementary schools and tried to explain to children in the city that food comes out of the ground. Um, so there are many opportunities to tie this movement into something even more powerful. But I think you've done an excellent job. I know it's a long, long haul to get things changed. And we are here to support you as often as we can, as much as we can. So, again, thank you. I look forward to hearing from you next month. And I don't know whether or not Cos has something to say. I just thank you all for coming on and allowing me to be a part of the show today. I don't even begin to fill Marty Oakley's shoes. I hope that we will be having her back soon. But I have learned so much from her. This was a great show. We had a full board. And Marcel, you did great hanging on there with me. And thank you, everyone. And I hope to have everyone back next next month. And we'll keep doing these. Yes, the last Thursday of the month, in case anyone wants to mark their calendars now. Absolutely. Well, okay. at this point, we can all just say good night, and I can good end. Night. I can end it for us. Good night, everybody, and have a great evening. Good night, everybody. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Good, good night. Good night. Thank you very much. God bless you. Good night.